Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. This morning's scripture is from the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 5 to 27. And it occurs after (coughs) Jesus and the disciples have been baptizing people, and they're returning from Judea to Galilee through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, 
a woman of Samaria. Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come back. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. <laughs> and the one you now have is not your husband. <laughs> what you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Here ends the reading.
Thank you, choir. Thank you, Jerry. God does have work for us to do. Let us pray the words of preparation, which are printed in your bulletin. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I wonder how many of you are, are reading this here flesh or have uh, picked up the book, the Lenten book that we're working with or, or looked at uh, Black Liturgies on Instagram. Anybody? Oh, great. Okay, a lot, a lot of folks engaged. Good. If you're still uh, wanting to pick up this here flesh, there are copies in the narthex. And uh, Cole Arthur Riley is the author of this hair flesh. She's the creator of Black Liturgies. And she said, I sometimes walk around with the first line of Tony Cade Bambara's The Salt Eaters in my head. It gets stuck in there like a song and I'll find myself kind of chanting, are you sure, sweetheart, that you want to be well? Born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and now living in Ithaca, New York, expression hasn't always flowed easily for Riley. As a child, she was naturally quiet and was diagnosed early with an anxiety disorder called selective mutism, which basically means that she was unable to speak around some people. When you read her writing, there is so much wisdom there, so much awareness of the way the world should be, a world that is lived out of love, a world that is lived out of right relationship, a world that is lived out of beauty and hope, a world where the divine is present and clear in all things. There's so much awareness of that that I wonder if... Her anxiety came in part from the disconnect between what she knew in her heart to be true and possible and what she witnessed around her. 
Writing then became her way to make sense of the confusion, her way to be well. And, and, and if, you, if, you, if you read the book and listen to the interviews of her, you, you, you'll hear that her, her father was a, a key encourager of her and, and bringing her into that way of expression and out of her silence. Um, she says that uh, he would uh, give her a choice between doing, ch doing chores or writing a poem. So parents, <laughs> in June of 2020, Cole Arthur Riley began creating liturgies, meditations, and prayers on Instagram. She describes it as an act of rage and grief in the wake of the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and a life strung through with the impact of generational trauma from racism and sexism. She doesn't know exactly why she chose Instagram. She says it's a mystery even to her. She, she says that the, the reality is that she really wasn't on social media before that Instagram debut. And now that she's made this you know, huge splash in the last three years, her, her, this here flesh debuted um, on the New York Times bestseller list, her, her media team will say to her, um, we can't really find anything about you out there <laughs> because she wasn't on social media. So th this, this Instagram thing really does to her seem kind of like a mysterious calling. She describes herself as not tech savvy, but the platform that focuses on images became the right venue for an image that was of her words, her words. Instead of the usual photographs and graphics in an Instagram post, Riley posted her liturgies. Her words became pictures and opened up new visions into a world with honest and truthful relationships where power exists only insofar as it is a reflection of right relationship of all creation. And the converse was also true she posted liturgies that reflected the, the disconnect between that vision and the way the world really is, and the rage and the grief that is connected with that. Cole Arthur Riley's Instagram site, Black Liturgies, has allowed hundreds of thousands to see grief and joy, to engage, it, to engage life itself from the perspective of a young, black, queer woman whose expression of embodied spirituality has helped us know the God who came to us in embodied form better. The site is both an act of resistance and an act of wellness for her own self and a question to all of us. And that question is, are you sure, sweetheart? that you want to be well? I wonder if Jesus had a similar question in his head when he came upon the Samaritan woman at the well. Are you sure, sweetheart, that you want to be well? In our scripture today from John, Jesus comes down into a town in Sumeria and he arrives at what is known as Jacob's well and he sits down. As you heard 
Pat began the scripture this morning. She shared that Jesus and the disciples had been traveling around the region, preaching and baptizing people. And um, uh, he, uh, you know, they were tired. The disciples had gone into town to buy food. And um, Jesus just decides to sit. He sits by the well. But he's not alone for long. A Samaritan woman comes to draw water from the well. Jesus speaks to her and asks for a drink. Now what's important to remember here is that the Jews and the Samaritans don't really like each other. They don't talk. There are cultural and ethnic differences between them and there's history. And in the first words Jesus offers, he is essentially communicating to the Samaritan woman, we don't have to be like that. The divisions and even hatred between our two peoples make us unwell, he's communicating, and it doesn't have to be like that. At first, she's not open to what he's saying to her. Maybe Maybe she's confused. This isn't according to the script. The script about how Jews and Samaritans are supposed to act when they encounter each other. The script is, you avoid talking to me. I avoid talking to you. Hopefully we don't have any trouble. But certainly we don't talk to each other. But here's the thing. God is restless when people are divided. God is restless when people are disconnected. God is active always in healing the history that is of trauma and pain. So the conversation continues and Jesus says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him if he would have given you living water. And now she's intrigued. Even if she doesn't quite understand what is going on, and you get the sense that there's a real conversation developing. An openness begins. A divide has been bridged. And there is, if maybe not quite trust, at least an openness to hear and to see. In shifting from shut down to open, the Samaritan woman opens herself to the confusion of going off script. She speaks her confusion and she says, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it with his sons and his livestock? And Jesus tells her that the well he speaks of is for everyone and its gifts are eternal. And the conversation deepens. And we can see that she's still confused about who this man is, but she's drawn to the way that she seems to be being seen in a whole new way. And she says, give me some of this water. And Jesus says, go, call your husband and come back. And what does she say? She says, I have no husband. And Jesus says, you're right. You don't 
have a husband, but the fact is that you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Now, some previous commentators have heard in that that this is a, a woman who's an outcast, that she has a, a history of promiscuity, but, but we don't need to read that into the story. What I see there is an engagement, an acceptance, an openness to being seen and known and loved. And what the Samaritan woman says next might seem confusing to us when she says, uh, kind of out of the blue, our, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Our, mod our modern minds might think, well, that's kind of a non sequitur. What's she talking about the mountain for? Why bring that up? But what she's alluding to is the history and the current reality that separates Jews and Samaritans. Once they were one people, but when the kingdoms of Israel divided into Judah and Israel, there were, there were divisions and there were wars and there, were, there was broken trust and new alliances were formed and culture and religion developed differently in these two different parts and they've come to, to, to worship in different ways and to have different cultures that's, that's just shot through with violence and mistrust. And so what she's talking about when she talks about we worship on this mountain and you worship in Jerusalem is all of that. And in this exchange and Jesus' response, what he's saying and what he's doing is providing a space for the Samaritan woman to explore all of the things that might be confusing around that. Why are people separated? Why does it last so long? Where can healing come from? And why is there enmity that still exists between our true groups when we weren't even a part of all of that stuff and yet somehow it, it still lives in them? He's opening a space for her to explore this question of how is it that this man who was of a group who held racial bias toward her own group was seeing her and hearing her and offering her something of great value, in, indeed life itself. Maybe she's, maybe she's exploring in that space this whole question about her relationships, her husbands, her, her family life, and maybe she's, she's holding this question of why did my life turn out this way? How did I get here? Have you ever asked your own self that question? Have you ever wondered that? Why did my life turn out this way? How did I get here? It can feel confusing and we go back into our, our minds and we, and we get caught in, in the, so, well, I made that choice and that led to that and, and then that happened and then we start to take alternative paths and it gets confusing. It gets confusing. But what we have to remember is that our confusion is not God's confusion. God is always active, bringing meaning and purpose out of our confusion, showing us the way to new life and offering us living water. 
Just after this long exchange between Jesus and the Samaritan woman, the scripture says, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a Samaritan woman. And then the scripture says, but no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Isn't that interesting? They're in a state of confusion, but they don't speak. There's no expression from the disciples. And so the same question arises. Are you sure, sweetheart, that you want to be well? Just like the Samaritan woman thought when Jesus spoke to her, the disciples are likely thinking, why is Jesus going off the script? The biblical narrative often positions the disciples, and I'm sure you've noticed, particularly Peter, in a way that contrasts our humanness, our states of confusion, our inability to understand that we are actually being offered the water of life with Jesus' invitation and clarity. It's so significant that the scripture says, but no one asked. It's a stark contrast to the long discourse between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And the contrast shows us that the way out of confusion is to move into expression. In some cases, this might be words like the exchange between Jesus and the woman, which is the longest recorded discourse, continuous discourse in the New Testament. Or in other cases, this expression might be poetry that gives image and insight like black liturgies uh, on the Instagram site, or maybe it's dance, or maybe it's art, or, or maybe it's music. Anything that seeks to express the disconnect between what we know to be true and possible in our hearts and our spirits and our souls and what we experience in the broken world around us. Every act of self-expression is an attempt to be seen, heard, and known. In the person of Jesus, we see God's ultimate act of self-expression. God incarnated God's self so that we would know that we are seen, we are heard, we are known, and we are loved. God came to us in body, inviting us into an exchange that is life. And in that embodiment of our creative and expressive being, there is salvation. Cole Arthur Riley has said, I refuse to live a disembodied life. Even as I survive the violence of white supremacy, the judgment of white intellectualism, the pain of a body that is chronically ill, the memory of a body that has endured abuse, I refuse to abandon my body. It contains more beauty, more mystery, than I am able to articulate. And yet, she continues to try to articulate. And she goes on to say, and in befriending and honoring it, I communicate belief in my inherent dignity. Are you sure, sweetheart, 
that you want to be well? Then drink the living water of God's relational self-expression. Drink the living water to speak, sing, write, dance, create, express out of your confusion and even your despair into the world you know to be possible in your heart and in your spirit. God will meet you there at the well. May it be so. Amen. listening to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week. Mary, you're covered in roses. 
You're covered in ashes You're covered in rain You're covered in babies Covered in slashes Covered in wilderness You're covered in stains You cast aside the sheets You cast aside the shroud of another man serve the world proud and you breathe another sun you lose another one on some sunny day and always you stay Mary Jesus said mother Lies right by and leaves a kiss upon her face While the angels were singing his praises in a blaze of glory Mary stays behind and starts cleaning up the place Oh Mary, she moves behind me Fingerprints everywhere. Every time the snow drifts, everywhere the sand shifts, even when the night lifts, she's always there. Jesus said, Mother, I couldn't stand another day longer. Flies right by and leaves a kiss upon her face While the angels were singing his praises in a blaze of glory Mary stays behind and starts cleaning up the place Mary, you're covered in roses You're covered in ruins you're covered in secrets You're covered in treetops Covered in birds Who can sing a million songs Without any words You've cast aside the sheets You've cast aside the shroud Of another man Who served the world and you greet another son, and you lose another one on some sunny day, and always you stay.